thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. So, today we'll be talking about one of my favorite kind of, I'll almost say emotions, but maybe one of my favorite mindsets, which is joy. There's a difference between joy and happiness. They're very related, but they are very different. Happiness is, I would say, an emotion. And uh, joy, on the other hand, I would say is happiness, but also with that comes contentment, which comes security, peace, trust, all of those things, because true joy is found in God. And true joy is something we can experience, something we, a mindset that we have despite our circumstances. As a, I would say, a fairly new father, I've always heard about it, but being able to look at my son and just see pure joy is, is incredible. Sometimes when he's all upset, then um, when, his, when, when Catherine walks in the room, he gets all excited uh, I'm, I'm nothing, apparently. But no, I, I, I kid. This, whenever, you know, we see children, even a baby or maybe it's toddlers, when they see something, maybe even for the first time, that impresses them, just the pure wonder, the joy of life that they, that they have. And we're told that we need to be like children to enter in the kingdom of heaven. And this is one of the things I think is important, is for us to have joy. If we can go to that first slide, we'll see that one of the things that we need to understand is the Lord desires, missing a word there, for you to have joy. The Lord desires for you to have joy. And if you're a good note taker, these will be three main points with a lot of sub points. We'll be looking at a lot of scriptures. I did not put the scriptures on the slides, but if you like following along, I encourage you to do so. But you see, the Lord desires for us to have joy. It's not something we just have to figure out ourselves. It's not something, really, he even says is optional. In uh, Psalm 68, we read this earlier, we see that the Lord desires for us to have joy really every day. It says, But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. That's what we have available to us. That's what God desires for us to have, is having that joy. But also we know Jesus spoke a lot about joy. In John 15, starting in verse 8, he said this, "For this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. He says, I I want you to, to produce good fruit. I want you to be holy as I am holy. I want you to do the things I'm doing, being fruitful. And he goes on to say, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So here's how you, you, you keep my love. Here's how you remain in my love is by your obedience. And then he said, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So he says, this is my challenge that you have this obedience. You'll have my love. You'll love me. We'll have that mutual love, that mutual trust, that mutual relationship. And then here's where it kind of brings it all together. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. He wants us to have joy. And we get that joy, one of the ways is through obedience, is through, but also not just through obedience, but it's by knowing that we have his love. There's no greater joy than knowing that I have the Father's love. 
that I have the Son's love, that I have the Spirit. He says, you can, I'm telling you all these things because I want you to have that joy. And a lot of times people will say, well, God just wants us to be happy. And that's partly true. But if I just sought after my own happiness, I also will search after things that really aren't very godly. Because I enjoy doing things, just like I'm sure you do. Our temptation is are things that are fun and enjoyable. So just pure happiness isn't what joy is all about. True joy is found in pleasing God and having that relationship with Him and knowing that, really, on the other side, there's great things. And it can be hard to experience that when things aren't going well. So we have this desire for us to be joyful every day, but also through persecution. You see, in Luke 6, starting verse 22, Jesus said this, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil. Now, if we stopped there, it would be a whole lot easier. You'd be like, man, I, or not maybe a whole lot more difficult, I should say. Because we can cause people to mistreat us, to, to not like us very much, if we are too a, a hateful person if we don't treat others very kindly. But that's not what Jesus is getting at. He says, when people hate you and exclude you, revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. So he says, you should find it, um, blessed are you. You're not blessed, you know, happy is a person almost. But you should find joy when people mistreat you because of me. Now that's a whole lot different than just when people mistreat you. We'll go through persecution. Now, Thankfully, in our country, we don't go through the same persecution other countries experience. We don't go through the same persecution those in the first century experienced. They were thrown in jail. They were beaten. They were killed. And here, it's, you know, we're mistreated in other ways. But he's saying, bless the person who goes through all of that. And he goes on to say in the next verse, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For their fathers did to the prophets. Now, when I read that, uh, I might, you might have the same reaction I had. I'm thinking, well, that, that's an awful lot to ask. I can maybe not get upset. I can maybe not return evil for evil. But I'm not sure I'm going to leap for joy when someone's mistreating me. I'm not going to go have a party when someone's you know, being mean to me or I'm being persecuted. That just doesn't make any sense. So it, it just... It doesn't make any sense. I don't enjoy being mistreated. He's saying, leap for joy. Have, you know, almost like have a party. But why would he be telling them that? Well, one thing is, I can't help but think of this. When he says, they, the world hated me first, they will hate you. And if we're being faithful, if we're serving God, if we're serving others, and we're doing it in a loving way, when they mistreat us, we know we've done nothing to deserve that. We've done nothing to to make them have that hatred, but we know we've pleased the Father. And we can leap for joy because of that. But I also think of the apostles in Acts 5. You see, Acts 5 and Acts 4 and 5, really, they were super excited. They were on fire. Peter and a few of the other disciples were preaching Jesus. And they said, we can't help but speak of the name of Christ. We can't help, but we can't keep it in. Uh, if you've ever been super excited about something before, you know what that's like. Uh, if you've been around children, you know what that's like. Little five-year-old gets the coolest present ever uh, for his birthday, and, and what's he going to do? He's going to tell everybody, look at my new toy. He just can't help but tell everybody. And here the disciples were saying, we can't help but tell everybody. And in Acts 5, 
we see that they were beaten and they were ordered to not speak of the name of Jesus again. Now, again, if I'm in their shoes, I might be a little discouraged. Uh, I might ignore them and still preach Jesus. Uh, Hopefully I would. But here's where the difference is, I think, and it's impressive to me. In verse 41 of Acts 5, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Again, they were leaping for joy. They were rejoicing, in my, my mind, throwing a party, that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. That's boldness. That, that, that's, that's really trusting in God to say, I know we're serving you faithfully, and even though the world is mistreating us, we know that Christ suffered so much more. And if we have to suffer because of Christ, we at least know what it's like, and we can share in his blessings. We can share in his love. And I just want to imagine, what if we were all that brave? What if we were all brave enough to stand for truth, not in an antagonizing way, not in an arrogant way, not a in-your-face type of mindset, but in the mindset of the apostles, of Jesus, where we're going to serve others, we're going to speak the truth in love, but we're also not going to compromise truth. Imagine if we all did that, what kind of world we would live in. That, that would be a joyful world. So this starts to make more sense, especially when you look at what Peter said. So Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 4, he, his audience was about to go through a, a lot of persecution. And I like kind of how he started this. He's in verse, uh, 1 Peter 4, starting in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So he says, don't be surprised. You know persecution's coming. You know what's going to happen. They're about to go through some extreme physical persecution. And he says, don't act like it's something you didn't expect. Don't act like something strange is happening to you. Uh, I'm warning you, you know what's coming, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. There it is, that sharing Christ's sufferings, again, that we saw in Acts. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you were insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Now that's something to rejoice about. That's something to be joyful about. See, it's not saying, oh yeah, I'm happy I'm being beaten. And, I, and like pain, I mean, that's not, he's not saying rejoice because you have pain. He's saying rejoice because you share Christ's sufferings and because the spirit and glory of God rest upon you. That is something to be excited about. That is something to enjoy. Which Peter mentioned trials, but we have the persecution, trials, temptations. And James makes a distinction between our temptations and our trials. And in uh, James... Uh, 2 verse 3 it says count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing now I want to lack in nothing you know I lack in a lot of stuff and uh, but if I want to have a complete life now he's not saying you're going to have everything you ever wanted he's not saying you're going to have a lot of stuff That's not what he's talking about when he says you're going to lack in nothing. He says as a person, you're going to be complete. As a child of God, you'll be complete. He says, count it joy when you meet trials. Now, again, there's that, that, I'm not so sure how I'm going to do that. Uh, We're resistant to that passage because 
No one likes pain. No one likes going through times of difficulty. No one likes going through persecution. But he says, here's what it's good for. Your faith will increase. Your dependence on God will increase. Your steadfastness will increase. And as we continue to stay faithful, I would say walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship with him is what John says. So here it is again. Count it joy when we go through trials, during persecution, and really every single day because the Lord desires for us to have joy. But every time I read these passages, I don't think it's just a desire. It's a command. I command you to find these things, to have joy in these things, to share in Christ's sufferings, to partake in him so you can have fellowship with him. And what's our goal? Well, our goal is to be, I used to say our goal was to get to heaven, but, but I would say our goal is to be transformed to look more like Jesus. And maybe not just to look more like Jesus, but it's to be transformed to become more like Jesus because then we will have our eternal reward. But my goal is to, to become like Jesus. And if I suffer because of that, well, then I should find that as I'm being successful. Uh, I'm accomplishing my goal, which is to be like Jesus. But then the next point, let's advance to the next slide, is one that I think might be harder. The Lord's commandments must be followed with joy. There's a lot of rules that I had growing up. I, I, not unreasonable, but like most parents, you have rules for your household. There were some rules I did not like. You know, I wanted to eat in my bedroom. I could not eat in my bedroom. You know, I wanted to do certain things, and I wanted to go out late, and I couldn't go out late. You know, I had all these rules, and some of them made sense to me. Some of them didn't make sense to me. And there were some rules that I would follow, some chores that I would do very reluctantly. And maybe even a little, um, it took me three, four, five reminders to get it done because I really didn't want to do it. We all know what that's like, either from us as a child or those of us who have, well, I don't have a, ch- a child old enough to do chores yet, unfortunately. But we all know what, that, what that's like. It's different, though, here when it comes to following God's commandments. Because God doesn't want us to do it reluctantly. He doesn't want us to do it if by force. He wants us to find joy in, his, in our obedience. Matthew 13, uh, verse 44 It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, some of you are making the connection. Some of you, um, for me, I I didn't make this connection at first. But this parable, this, this kind of story Jesus is telling, he's saying, here's what the kingdom of heaven's about. Here's what being united with, with God the Father is about. It's like finding this treasure in a field. And this man who found it, he covered it back up, but he was so excited. Whatever treasure he found was worth so much that it says, he didn't, it doesn't say he just sold his stuff and bought the field. It says in his joy, he sold all his stuff and buys that field. Now for me, I might be like, well, I'll sell 90% of my stuff because there's some stuff I, I really like. I have some really cool stuff, stuff that may not be like monetarily valuable, but stuff that's sentimentally valuable, some stuff that is valuable. And here he's saying he, in joy, he sold everything so that he could obtain the kingdom of heaven. 
It didn't say he reluctantly sold everything. In his sadness, he sold everything. No, I said in his joy, he sold everything. Do I follow God's commandments with joy? Am I willing to sacrifice anything in joy? Not just sacrifice reluctantly again, but am I willing to be joyful about things I have to give up to serve God? That's a question we have to answer for ourselves, but it's a challenging question. Now, does that mean that we still shouldn't do it and learn how to have joy in that? Well, still, uh, obedience is still important, and we can learn to find joy in that. So I'm not saying don't obey until you find joy in it. (laughs) But we need to work up to a way where the Lord's commandments, we're following them with joy. A few chapters back, so that was in, um, in Matthew 13. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, For where your heart is, there, sorry, I always get that flip-flopped. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a lot of things that I treasure. There's a lot of things that I hold very valuable. Sometimes I don't hold the Lord's commandments very valuable because I'm doing what I want. When we sin, we're saying what I want is more valuable. Well, my way is a better way. Uh, I can remember as a child uh, being taught to do certain things, and I I can be stubborn, uh, shocker. And there are things I would try to do it my own way, and it wouldn't really work. And even throughout all of my life, that can be a struggle. I remember, um, this is going to seem like a very, I don't know why this analogy popped in my head, but I'm going to share it. Um, I didn't grow up um, hunting or anything like that, and in college, uh, our dorm dad uh, said, would you like to learn gun safety and all that kind of stuff? I was like, sure. And uh, so we went out, and, um, and he taught me about a, you know, some pistol stuff. Then he, he uh, gave me the shotgun. I had never fired you know, guns until college, really. And before he even taught me, I thought, you still stand the same way you do as shooting a pistol with a shotgun. So I squared my shoulders, squared my feet, and held the shotgun up. And it was a you know, a little 12-gauge thing, and it about knocked me over. And he looked at me and said, do you want to listen and learn how to do it now? <laughs> it's one of those things where sometimes we get so excited about doing things our way, uh, it's not the safest way, it's not the smartest way, and it's not the best way. And, and when it comes to living life and doing things God's way, sometimes we're like, I, I just want to do it my way. And when God's way doesn't match my way, I'm maybe bitter about it. Um, but also... Maybe I'm finding more value in what I'm doing. And until we find more value in, in Christ and God and his way, then our treasure will never truly be in heaven. Our treasure will never truly be with him. Our heart, I should say, too. Because when I value my stuff more than I value him, then that's where my heart is. And he demands our whole heart. He wants all of us. He doesn't just want part of us. Let's go to the next slide. So this might be, these first two things are a little challenging, a little, maybe even discouraging, you know, at times. But this is where we can find comfort, that joy in the Lord will strengthen his people. This is from one of my favorite uh, passages in the Old Testament, Nehemiah, um, when he says this to his people, saying, the joy joy of the Lord will be your strength. It says, rely on the Lord. Rely on your trust, your security. Because they were about to go through kind of a challenging time. He's not saying, oh, be happy, and that all, that's all that matters. No, he's saying, so this joy you can start seeing is why it, happiness, happiness is part of it, but it's also contentment. It's also security. It's also trust. 
It's also full devotion to the Lord. All of those things wrapped up together make up what joy is all about. And as we look at these passages, we have just a few more left. I want you to think about how this can motivate you and encourage you. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. Go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 1. Because a lot of times when we say, oh, just trust in the Lord, it'll all be okay, we use it as a cliche saying, but it, it shouldn't be cliche. It should be something we take really very seriously. And here in Colossians 1, starting in verse 9, it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. I'm going to stop there. I, I love Paul. Uh, Paul is always about praying for others. He didn't, say, he didn't just say, hey, I've been praying for you. He would say, I've been praying for you, and here's what I've been praying for you about. So he said, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing good fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. We're going to stop right there. He's saying, here's my desire for you. Here's God's desire. He goes, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of him, right, so you can accomplish his will. And he goes, I want you to have wisdom, and wisdom is the application of knowledge, right? So I want you to be able to then practice this. He goes, and understand what you're doing so you can walk in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord. And then he goes, and be fruitful. You don't, we don't want to be dead limbs, uh, when you have a tree that has a dead branch, well, what happens? Well, it, it's dangerous. It can, when a, a branch is also diseased, it can also spread. So you want to prune those branches. So you want to be bearing good fruit. You don't want to, in being doing this, is every good work and in increasing in the knowledge of God. And then here's this next verse is the key. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. So now it's not share in his sufferings. Now it's share in his inheritance. Share in the blessings that he has. And we can be strengthened with what? With the power, with his glorious might, to produce that endurance, which means we can keep going through the hard times that we just talked about, through all the trials, through all the temptations. We can have patience. It's not going to happen overnight. Now, I'm not going to fix this overnight. I'm not even going to perfect this overnight. I may never perfect this. I'm still working on it. But then he says, with endurance and patience, with joy. Knowing that what? We have an inheritance. Knowing that we have a promise of eternal life for those who are faithful, for those who walk in the light as he is in the light. And to me, that strengthens me. That encourages me to say, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to do things my way. Uh, God, God's way is a whole lot better than my way even when maybe I don't think it is. Uh, I also think this is encouraging for us, not just in times of sorrow or persecution, but really when we feel like nothing's going right. This, you know, during COVID, uh, for a lot of some, you know, some professions more than others, but I think all of us at some point during the lockdown felt like, well, is it ever going to get better? We might have said, oh, we know it will, but especially for our teachers and, and, uh, and our nurses and doctors, they're like, it's overwhelming. We feel like we're up to our eyeballs and all this stress. And they almost, maybe this word I think of is despair. And I think of Romans 15 when he said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. 
You know, whenever life throws stress at us and we feel like, I just can't do anything right. I can't please God. I'm a flawed human being, which is true. We can also still have hope. And, I, and the word hope is very interesting to me because for us, we use the word hope like we use the word wish. You know, when I grew up, it was, I always hope I get this for Christmas, or I hope I get this for, or I hope we can go out to eat, or I hope this, 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 and that. When we read hope in Scripture, it's not just wishful thinking. Uh, it comes from, uh, not to get too bogged down, but it comes from really two Greek words um, that mean, that come with that wishful, that desire. Sure, that's part of it. But the other half is expectation. That we can, we expect our desire to happen. And what is our hope? Our hope is eternal life. Our hope is everlasting life. So he's saying, may God fill you with your, ex, your expected desire, which is eternity, fill you with all joy, peace, and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound, find security, find um, trust in that promise of your desired expectation, which is eternity with Him. That's really encouraging, especially when I don't feel like there's any hope left, when I feel like everything is going poorly. Lastly, I think this helps us when we think of eternity. In Matthew 25, Hear the story of the, the talents and uh, the two faithful servants and the one wicked servant who buried the treasure. To the two faithful servants who did stuff with what the master gave them, it says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. On the other side of eternity... There is joy that surpasses any joy we'll ever experience. And that's being reunited with him. See, the original plan God created was the Garden of Eden, where God and man would live in unity together. And sin entered the world, and we've really been disconnected in a way. Jesus bridged that that gap, but we won't be fully reunited in the garden-like plan God had set up until the other side of eternity. His plan is for us to be with him forever. And he says, I want you to find joy in that. I want you to find joy in my, obe- in my commandments. Obey me in joy, knowing that there's a promise. I want you to suffer in joy, to be persecuted and find joy in that, knowing that you share in that suffering so you can share in his inheritance. So this morning, if you're struggling with embracing and accepting that joy, maybe you're struggling with disobedience, Maybe you're struggling with being faithful. Uh, We can pray for you. We can walk with you. We're all trying to do this together. Maybe you're here and you haven't been baptized. You haven't been buried in the waters of baptism to be raised in newness of life so you can become a child of God. Whatever your need is, please come now while we stand and sing. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, 
Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Is it